Uh, there's been a lot of correspondence uh, for our next guest. Why not? There certainly has. This guy, absolute champion of not only of football, like where he played 300 of the greatest games for Geelong, but also in the media where, I mean, he's absolutely everywhere and, well... Controversy follows him, let's be polite. All right. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but he's an absolute superstar of a person. That's uh, John Sam Newman. G'day, Sammy. Uh, g'day, Jack. G'day, Wazza. G'day, mate. How <laughs> <laughs> do we find you um, this, this wonderful Wednesday? We, are we yachting around the uh, Port Phillip Bay? No, mate. I'm uh, down <laughs> the peninsula. Ooh. I've come down to play golf in the morning at a sun-up, so I've come down uh, overnight. Sam, it's, it is was a here, mate. Um, golf's obviously... Uh, well, uh, stand a bit closer to the microphone, will you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nearly eating it, but, uh, yeah, golf's uh, a big part of your life now. Uh, how are you hitting them? Uh, indifferently, was there. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm a reasonable golfer by uh, amateur standards, but um, I... Uh, would like to be better, of course, like everyone else. You know what the average handicap in golf is, don't you? Oh, no. No? Well, no, this is not a trick question. It's <laughs> the limit. It's the, it's, 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 the, it's the highest handicap you can have because there's so many people who play it around the world and so many people who can't play it, uh, the good golfers pale into insignificance. True. <laughs> Fair yes. enough. Oh, very good. No, it's, it's great for you to join us. Um, now... I just wanted to, um, we'll get to your footy career, but how privileged or how happy are you um, to have lived through this Geelong Footy Club era where in the past, say, 15 years, they've missed the finals, what, twice? And um, just winning premierships, you know, all the time. Is this, does it bring a joy to your heart? Well, that's the classic Dorothy Dixer, Jack. Of course it does. <laughs> um, I played all my 18 years at Geelong and... Uh, Played 300 and actual three games and missed uh, missed 100 games through injury. Missed the equivalent of five years of uh, football through injury. I played as long as Kevin Bartlett and he played 100 games more. Right. Okay. So, what was the... 400. There we go. Yeah, could have been... What was the... I mean, obviously it was a different era and different time in in everything. And I've asked a few people where I work... um, and they said, yeah, great media entertainer and all that sort of stuff, but they actually don't realise you played 300 games. Like, that's just... It's an amazing achievement. You look back on that with just amazement and just think, you know, um, honour and stuff? Um, well, yeah, it's, it's an achievement, I suppose. You don't set out to play that many games, but I uh, started in 1963 and then finished in 1980. Um uh, we were never out of the finals in the decade in the 60s and then we weren't in them for, uh, till the middle of uh, the next century, 1970 to 75 and then Rod Olsen took over and we got into the finals again for the rest of my career. And during, during your career, Sam, who, who was sort of your most fearsome opponent? I mean, the Ruck Jewels back then were something to behold and you also had to be somewhat of a sort of a standover. Uh, who, who was your most fearsome opponent? Well, I played in the era of um, Essendon's Don McKenzie, uh, Len Thompson from Collingwood, Barry Round, the late Barry Round, Jeff Saru, Gary Dempsey, uh, all the 
this was when Ruckman actually played as Ruckman, didn't just uh, wander around the ground um, picking up kicks. This is when uh, the centre bounce meant quite a lot because there was no line across the circle and there was no square around the ground in those days. So it went, meant quite a bit because everyone could crowd in on the ball. So a well-placed tap-out and a well-placed plan was of uh, premium importance in those days. It is today, but it's uh, a little bit contrived now. I'm not saying it's not a good idea, but it's a bit contrived with a line across the circle so that uh, your opponent can't come round and stand next to you and stop you jumping, uh, not allowing you to go for the ball on your merits. And, um, of course, uh, keeping people away from this sphere of action until uh, the ball is bounced by uh, the square. So it's changed quite a bit. And, of course, uh, we went from one umpire to two to three, and I think they're going for four, aren't mm-hmm. they, this year? I'm not sure what they're doing this year. Well, well given that your time in football, and, and I know you've been vocal on the way footy's gone, and especially when it went, it did go bad for a while. Did you see last year glimpses of uh, good football coming back, entertaining football? Oh, I meant that when I said um, it went bad, we went, Geelong went bad for a, a period of time from the 70s into the mid-70s. Um, but uh, the football has uh, absolutely changed uh, dramatically. It's become a pretty contrived, passive, almost non-contact sport now before. Uh, anyone says, wow, have you seen some of the clashes and some of the... Uh, hits and some of the bumps I understand all that but um, you can't compare it uh, to yesteryear if you like because in this day and age of uh, OH&S and um, litigious people and uh, uh, just the woke society we live in uh, they are managed to within an inch of their lives and probably a good idea but uh, a lot of the um, great contests have been taken out of the game because there is no such thing as positional play these days and uh, people don't go along to see the great clashes like uh, you, you know the classic clashes, clashes of people like Farmer and Nichols, people playing on one another the full backs against the full forwards but um, it's a great game because uh, it's popular and uh, People don't care how it's played. I keep saying this, if you like the way the game's played, that's great because uh, it's the most popular sport, it's the most patronised sport per capita of the population in the world. Definitely. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and, I mean, we, we touched on the, the Cats before. I mean, watching, how was it watching last year's grand final and, and watching, um, as you're a former Geelong captain, uh, Joel go around and play like he did and bowing out like he did. I mean, was that, was yeah. that, did you enjoy that as well? Uh, well, of course. And Joel yes. Selwood is, uh, is probably what uh, football is about, a great role model on and off the field. And um, uh, could I just... Now, so the grand final, it was a great occasion for Geelong and it was a great occasion if you're a keen Cats supporter, but... It was uh, that was the only thing wrong with the day was the game. It was a shocking game of football because it just was non-competitive. It was like <laughs> a scratch side playing against a side that was just there going through a training run, and um, you know it's a 
fantastic thing for the people who love it. But if you just go along to watch a game of football, it was a sh- it was an absolute <laughs> disappointment. Oh, hilarious. Oh, I've it's, been... Yeah. Hang on, hang on, was, yeah, right. Right. We, we, We've had this thing since the grand final. Was thinks it's the greatest game he's ever seen. And I reckon he's talking out of his pocket because he won about no, five grand on that. But he's, uh, I'm with you, Sam. I reckon it was boring. <laughs> no, but was it just, um, it was, see, it's only an opinion. You know, p- opinions can't be wrong. Well. Only facts, facts can be wrong. And it was a fantastic performance by a great disciplined side who hardly put a foot wrong. But the opposition and the coaching staff off the field, not necessarily uh, uh John Longmire, not necessarily him, but if you couldn't try and negate some of the action that was going on off the bench by making some moves and trying to uh, reorganise the side earlier than they did, it was a foregone conclusion after 10 minutes and if you're just a football purist, it was a dreadful spectacle. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's no... I, but I understand what was a saying. Uh, you saw a side that was absolutely supreme going through its work and doing its business, and uh, that in, in itself is rewarding. But uh, just as a mm. close-fought contest, tough and hard, there was no toughness, there was no hardness, there was no great marks, there was except from the Geelong side. It was, um, it was uh, it, to me, it was a disappointment. Uh, uh, while I was delighted about the Cats winning. Oh well, then I'll I'll take that because uh, no, mate, I'm <laughs> no, I, I I'm felt not. it was per. I thought I thought it was, you know, if you, as a player you would have played in a game where you thought we had this from the start and everything went right. And for me, it was the perfect game of football played by a team. That that's what uh, I, I saw. Was it? I'm I'm mate. I'm not criticising you. I'm agreeing <laughs> with you that if you think that's what you liked about the game, that's fantastic. You half the more than half the crowd would absolutely agree with you. But just from a, if you showed that, yes. not that we're interested in showing it to anyone, but people who hadn't been to the football from overseas, if it went around the world, I don't know, they'd say, gee whiz, that's a pretty, for 100,000 people to turn up every finals to watch that sort of stuff. Uh, but that's, I'm, I'm just being, yes. I'm just saying that's from that point of view and I understand what you're saying. Fantastic. We're talking to Sam Newman, if you haven't figured that out, um, which is fantastic. Uh, I want to get on to your footy show. I mean, obviously, great success and uh, would have started this time about 30 years ago. Um, a wonderful show. Just some of the antics of, obviously, you know, you're involved in a lot of them. Um, was there any one of them where you thought going into it, oh, this, this will get me into trouble? Well, there wasn't because for the simple reason... A, it went live to air. It was not delayed even by five seconds or ten seconds. When you said something or did something, that was it. It went out over the uh, airways. And secondly, I never prepared or um, ever planned anything. I just really had no idea who the guests were or what the... I knew what the segments were, the letters I read out and the street talk we did and all that sort of stuff... Uh, but I never prepared because I didn't want to plan what to say. I wanted to be confronted by the people on the show and the people who ran it, Eddie, Craig Hutchison, 
Gary Lyon and James Brayshaw and Rebecca Madden. I wanted, if they asked me a question, my first thought usually is my best thought. Sometimes it got me into trouble. I got suspended a few times. I got taken before the broadcasting tribunal. But I say this to people, um, if we had been taped like every other show on television is, every other show, uh, whether it be on delay or taped and replayed an hour later or a day later, no one would ever knew you, no one would ever have known I did any of those things because they would never have gone to air. So that was the, it was a bit like uh, performing on a high wire without a net underneath to catch you. So I don't apologise actually for anything I did. I don't apologise for anything I said. Uh, it was mostly actually all tongue-in-cheek. We took, we poked fun at ourselves primarily and then we thought everyone else was fair game and we absolutely deliberately decided not to be beige or uh, vague or pale television. We wanted to be a little edgy and uh, a little controversial while uh, not demeaning most of the people we spoke to and uh, not being um, uh, too serious about ourselves. It sounds about right too. And you had, you had some great footballers on there. That uh, Was there any that uh, didn't quite sort of make the cut? They might have had one appearance and you thought uh, and they quickly got told, no, you probably don't fit the mould? Oh, no, not at all. No, we, we appreciated. See, the clubs uh, bent over backwards in the first uh, or decade or, yeah, decade, maybe a little longer uh, to have their players come on. But in the end, um, because we asked edgy questions and we were a little um, uh, flamboyant and flippant with them, uh, they got a bit edgy as the media moguls who run the clubs thought, oh, we don't want uh, them to upset the sponsors and when they don't want them to say the wrong thing. It got, they, got, uh, they got really um, handled really uh, tightly by uh, the people who sent them onto the show and a lot of the players wouldn't come on or the clubs wouldn't send them on, but that's all right. They, have an obligation. they don't have an obligation to come on. Uh, we enjoyed it. Everyone that came on, whether they, we thought they were any good or not, it didn't, made no difference. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that the end of the day, the show was about the people on it, not the guests. Yep. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And we'll, we'll, obviously, a few of them um, started on the footy show and then launched themselves at their media career, like Shane Crawford um, and a few others. But was there one that was on there? I'm, I'm just trying to think of a, a Glenn Manton type uh, that you know was just genuinely really funny, and you just thought, you know, why didn't he make more of this? Well, in their own particular way, uh, people like now uh, people like Jason Dunstall, people wouldn't think that he was uh, uh, the most humorous man in the world, but he he played the role beautifully. He was uh, a very intelligent man, very austere and clinical, and um, um, very uh, very good at uh, very sharp tongue. And he played that role very well. Doug Hawkins. Uh, on the other hand, uh, did it differently. Uh, there would be not a person in the football world that wouldn't uh, like Doug and Bill Brownless similarly. Uh, there was a whole cross-section of people uh, we had on the show uh, that were panellists over the years that, uh, and I had nothing to do with that incidentally. I just did what I was, uh, just what I was asked to do, or I wasn't asked to do anything, but I was just on the show. And uh, the people who ran it uh, decided the personnel that had come on from week to week. So we had a revolving panel list. And if they were available, they came on. And if they weren't, well, we just uh, went to the next person. 
Oh, that's fair enough. And now, you've never been sort of shy of, a, of your opinion and say what comes to you first, but who's, whose opinion do you listen to these days? Because it's a, a lot of misinformation uh, and so forth. Uh, well, now, that's, a, that's an excellent question, was it? Oh, um, I, wow. listen to no one's, I, I listen to no one's opinion because I'm... No, no, seriously, I'm not interested in what other people think. I, I, I don't take... That's not being arrogant or pompous. Or, I'm just saying... If I if I am persuaded to have an opinion because I've heard someone else say it, I just give my opinion. I'm not interested in um, hearing what other people have to say about a subject. I respect what they say. I presume I do respect them. Maybe I disagree with most of the things they'd say, but on the footy show, I never did listen to anyone else's opinion if I was asked a question on the footy show I'd give my honest answer and sometimes uh, that was not uh, conducive to uh, what people wanted to hear particularly those who run the station and those who uh, are on the broadcasting tribunal but that's that was the that was the uh, nature of what we did and as I say we lasted for a quarter of a century the longest running television show in Australian television history that went live to air in its original time slot. So, uh, so we, we, I'm sure no one makes any apology for what we did. Um, we got, uh, I was criticised by, uh, one stage someone in the media has worked out I'd been called 80 derogatory names by the media and <laughs> people who write about you. And, um, we say good luck if that uh, fills your day in and that makes floats your boat. Go right ahead. I couldn't care less what, honestly couldn't care less what people think of me. I know who I am and if you don't know who I am, well, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. And if you want to hear more of Sam, uh, Smarter Sam is the podcast. You do that with Don Scott. We had Don on yeah, a few it's weeks. Called, it's actually called You Cannot Be Serious. Oh, You Cannot Be Serious. Sorry, and yes. And we've been doing it four years and we had our 11th, 11 millionth download uh, Podbean tell us so we have a hell of a big audience no, uh, we have between, between 40 and 60 thousand people a week uh, wow. listen to us and um, we, we, we plan nothing, I have no idea what Don's going to say and he has no idea what I'm going to say, we get topical issues uh, from week to week and we chat about them, most of them are controversial and most of them about um um, uh, uh, gender, uh, wokeness, the AFL, um, uh, stuff that really ticks people off and uh, we discuss them and um, um, that's what we do. And people, I know, enjoy it. Uh, we get criticised for a lot of the things we say, but that's by the vocal minority, the people who have an agenda. Yes. We have no agenda. No, no. Yeah, well, well, as I said, we had Don Scott on um, a couple of weeks ago, and he was fantastic, um, but he had this to say, um, if you will, uh, about um, this, about your uh, podcast. You're on the airwaves uh, again with... Uh, podcast with Sam podcast Newman. Podcast with Sam Newman. That must be fun. I'm going to say fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. No, it's not fun. No. Uh, no, it's not fun, I can tell you that. <laughs> how, how do you two sort of get along, in, in, in a sense? With well, John couldn't operate if he wasn't putting shit on somebody, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who cops the shit, and uh, so you've got to play the straight man and let him do the funny bits. So I know what my place is on the podcast. So, yeah, what, have you got a response for that? <laughs> 
Absolutely. Don is, for once, is, is about as accurate as I've ever heard him. Um, I do put shit on him because there's no other thing he can do because he has no idea what's going on in the planet. Uh, it's not fun for him because he sits there and struggles to actually be able to put a sentence together without fucking up most of the, excuse me, stuffing up most of the words. I reckon he could be possibly dyslexic or autistic. I'm not sure. But he is uh, he, he is tough work. He never speaks into the microphone. He turns up late. He eats while we're doing it. He dismantles biros and pens. He fiddles around. He kicks the uh, uh, sockets out of the leads. He is, he is a handful. And how he's lasted, I've got me beat. He said to me one day, I think I'll snatch it. I'd say, well, thank you. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, very good. Oh, yeah. No, he was a joy, but yeah, no, that's very a good nice. response. No, fair enough. <laughs> do you, do you, I mean, you, would you call it fun? Fun? Yeah. It's a labour of love. I do it because I like to give me opinion about things. And Don, uh, 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 Don we, we, we decided uh, we would bring topics, not tell each other, but we'd bring a list of topics to speak about things that have happened uh, during the week, either locally or internationally. Uh, and I usually have uh, 10 or 11 or 12 of them. Don comes and he scribbles them out as he sits down <laughs> as we go to air. He has no topics whatsoever. I don't think he's ever brought a guest in four years, never suggested a guest to speak to. He turns up and I run the show and he says, I'm a control freak. If I wasn't a control freak, we would have dead air for most of the show. He would uh, you'd hear him grunting and snorting and... Rooting round and farting, uh, and that's about his contribution. Well, it seems to be working. Uh. <laughs> well, it does. It seems to be working because if I didn't put shit on him, we'd be going nowhere. <laughs> oh, oh. Sounds like a sounds like a good time. We try and we try and encapsulate that here a little bit. So, oh. so Sam, uh, heading into the twenty twenty three footy season, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'll tell you what I'm most looking forward to, that the bleeding obvious is not stated time after time by the media about um, grabs that we get from the coaches. Yes, we're looking forward to this game. Yes, we think we can win. Oh, it was a good effort by the boys. Oh, we're disappointed. All the boring shit. Uh, If the media didn't prop the game up and prop all the people up, uh, God help us, I don't know where the game would be. Uh, Well, I do know where the game would be because people love it. Uh, But... um, I, 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 if someone would take the chance of changing the paradigm, I don't know, was there, if you know what paradigm means, that's a plan. Yeah. That's a pattern. <laughs> if someone changed the pattern of the way the game is played so that we were more proactive rather than trying to save games before they're lost, uh, the whole game would be better off. But no one's game to... Uh, everyone jumps into the lifeboat because coaches and the assistant coaches and the people around them, they hang their hat on their CVs saying that we had a win ratio of uh, 40 wins and 50 losses or 50 losses and 50-50. Uh, no one t- bites the bullet and thinks, we'll take this game on and see if it works this way. They all are clones of one another, mm-hmm. generally. So that's what we're looking forward to. <laughs> I want to see the game back to how it was too, Sam. So, yeah, agreed. Well, <laughs> agreed. Uh, yeah, well, and, and then the, uh, the talk about the umpires. Uh, the, uh, now, never blame the people who work for you. Blame the people who employ you. If I was handling the umpires, I'd say, for God's sake, boys. Oh, girls, I think that these girls, lady. God's sake, people. 
why don't you stand back, marshal the game, don't try and control it, just have a look at it and use common sense if you think someone's staging or if you think someone's fair dinkum, uh, if you think um, there's a, a little dissent, don't, it's a pretty passionate game. If someone puts their arms up, don't give them 50 metres, say, settle down, please, just relax. Uh, just speak to the players as though the umpires run round like they're ch- dogs chasing frisbees. They run round and they tap their butts and they it's just a pantomime. They've got fan <laughs> cards, they sign autographs, they have co- eau de cologne sprayed on them at quarter time and three-quarter time. They come out before the game and practice bouncing. Why the sides come onto the ground and the umpires before the game starts is beyond me. Couldn't you warm up in the rooms? Uh, don't tell me you can't, haven't got enough equipment in the rooms to warm up. The first time you want to see the players is when they run on, shake hands and the balls bounce. You don't want to see anyone else on the ground. That's the whole appeal of the game. But no, it's been lost in the bullshit that the league and the AFL and the coaches and the uh, training staff carry on for. You think about it. If the first time you saw your side was when it ran down the race through the banner and those ridiculous banners, for God's sake, uh, that's just getting out. That's just giving bloody morons a chance to hold up sticks and they spend the whole day pasting <laughs> shit under them and uh, half the time they fall down. Just get, just run onto the ground, shake hands, bounce the ball and we're off. Bang. Get on with oh, it. Let's fantastic. go. Uh, unfortunately, Sam, we might have to leave it there, but uh, absolutely fantastic to hear you uh, and come on our show. Uh, I hope to get you on again because uh, that was a real thrill. <laughs> Righto. Good on you. Thanks, Thanks Sam. Sammy. Fantastic. Sam Newman.